welcome to uh, the Marketing Unboxed podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode. It's going to be fun. We have Christopher Roche on. He is the Chief Executive Officer at Catalyst Consulting, which is a revenue and pipeline growth-focused marketing agency. He is coming to us from the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. But Christopher, the accent doesn't seem like a cheesehead accent to me. Are you, did you move from somewhere else to, to Milwaukee? Yeah, it, it's not a cheesehead. It's uh, no originally from England. However, everybody here thinks I'm Australian, so <laughs> it's uh, it's something I've encountered my whole life. And I've lived in, I mean, I've lived in Wisconsin now for ten years, and I think that blend of that Wisconsin twang with an English accent has formed this what would be an Australian accent. So <laughs> I often have that mistaken. I do kind of hear a little Australian uh, in there, but yeah, I thought thought maybe uh, you were from England, so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to talk about demand gen today. And, and I've had some guests on before. We've talked about kind of lead gen and moving away from lead gen to more of a demand gen model and, and really looking forward to this conversation to explore why now is a, a good time to be thinking about a transition from a lead gen model to a demand gen model and what the difference is between the two. And I think you have a framework as well to help people transition that we can touch on as well. So I guess first off, there's a lot of talk about a recession. And when you and I talked before, you had mentioned that whether it happens or not, switching from a a lead gen focused model to a demand gen, there's no better time than ahead of a a recession. And, And can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So regardless of what's happening with this upcoming potential recession, we're already seeing uh, very much lowering valuations in the startup world anyway. So we're seeing that knock-on effect. We're seeing increased layoffs. There seems to be this fear amongst a lot of kind of B2B SaaS companies right now. In my opinion, over the next 12 to 18 months, if we do enter a recession, this is simply going to accelerate the shift from lead generation to demand generation because it is a more profitable campaign when run at scale. And it's a a way to significantly reduce your customer acquisition cost and really focus on increasing the possible ROI from all of your marketing campaigns. Now, the interesting thing that I personally am already seeing over the last two to three months is that a lot of my clients a couple of weeks ago all said, hey, we need to talk about our ad spend. Do we want to reduce ad spend? Do we want to kind of hold all the all the acorns and try and basically weather the storm with this recession? And what we've seen is that's across the board. My conversation with my clients was, now is the best time to double down on investing in paid social. Now is the best time to make that investment into these demand generation techniques because of the fact that, first of all, it's a longer term play. So we're looking for results over a 12 to 18 month period. But because of that fear factor that's going across the industry right now, we're seeing a 30% reduction in CPMs in the last three months. We're seeing a higher conversion rate. We're seeing a lower customer acquisition costs. So the opportunity to actually invest into paid social right now is becoming more inexpensive basically to get the same results. So if you are looking at making that shift, this could be the best time to do so. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And I, I have the same philosophy. I mean, granted, I'm I'm a marketer. I've been in sales, but I'm a marketer at heart. I'm, I'm now fully focused on marketing. And I was a director of marketing at a kind of non-SaaS B2B, more traditional B2B company. And, and the president of that company and I aligned when markets go down, when things start to to go down, don't cut marketing because it is a long-term thing. You build momentum 
marketing is all about momentum and sustained uh, effort, consistency. And I think it's interesting when both when companies start up their their operations and when things get bad, they seem to double down on sales people, sales efforts, and either don't focus on marketing at all. They don't even have a marketer in-house when they start up or they start cutting it when things go down. And I would say do the opposite, mm-hmm. cut salespeople and rev up the marketing engine to get more exposure, build more awareness, education, start to drive that demand that's going to fuel the sales down the road, maintain it, right? And then fuel it as you come out of it, you'll just have so much more momentum coming out of it that everyone else will be then ramping up their marketing. And then they've got to wait until it really starts to fire, right? And by that time, you're already smoking them. You're blown by by the yeah, competition. Absolutely. And I've never been an advocate for laying people off in the first place, especially when you talk about laying off sales. So that's something that switch from lead gen to demand gen ultimately results in the requirements of having a smaller sales team. But if you cut marketing spend today, you're not hurting yourself today because you're not looking at, you already have a pipeline that's been built up by marketing. So it's not today that it's going to have the effect. It's in 12 to 18 months. So when you talk about, hey, we want to save, we want to save money today to then be able to grow out of this recession you're doing the complete opposite because now in 12 to 18 months, you're going to have no pipeline. And if you're going to invest in increasing that sales team, you have to be able to serve that sales team with opportunities. And if they're all doing cold outbound, they're not going to be able to get those same kind of results. And we talk about making this shift from lead gen to demand gen and which are the the effects that you see. The majority of B2B companies right now are not marketing correctly. And the fact that they are in this lead gen MQL hamster wheel, all they're trying to do is get contact information to basically pass along to SDRs to go and piss off people at companies by just cold calling the whole time. And the fact is it doesn't work. And when you look at those conversion rates and I've looked at these across my clients prior to coming to me who have you know, adopted that approach. You're looking at less than a 0.1% conversion from what would be considered a marketing qualified lead. So you have to have this overinflated sales team. So when you talk about ways that you can potentially reduce expenses and be able to you know, really focus on, on not basically bleeding cash in potential opportunities and overinflated sales teams right now is a great opportunity to be able to reduce that down by simply switching to a demand generation campaign where your sales quality opportunities are of a higher quality. They're coming into the pipeline further down. So you don't need to have this enormous sales team. And when you look at this in context with everything going on right now, that's why, again, demand generation is a very hot topic. It's a buzzword because a lot of companies don't understand it. But going into potential ways to save money, this could be the solution that your company's looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people don't understand it. And I'm sure there are people listening right now who yeah. hear it, hear demand gen thrown around. It is a popular buzzword right now. You see it a lot, but they might not really understand what, what, what it is and how is it different from lead gen and why wouldn't you focus on leads? Isn't that the name of the game, right? So how would you yeah, describe a- that? Yeah, to explain the way demand generation works. And yeah, like I say, it's a huge buzzword. And even to the point of when people are hiring for demand generation marketers, most, if you read a demand generation, director of demand generation job description, most of the time they're describing looking for someone that can do lead gen. So it is 
I would say you know, 90% of the time misunderstood or confused as to how to do it. The way that I view demand generation is you have really two facets. So you have your demand capture and you have your demand generation. Demand capture is basically a fancy way of saying you Google ads high intent, Bing ads high intent. It's nothing that's being reinvented. It's focusing on very high intent search terms that are going to drive traffic who are for potential buyers who are looking for a solution that are solution aware, but maybe not brand aware. You're going to get them into your sales team. It's going to be a shorter sales cycle. Um, that's going to be basically the percent of your market who's in buying mode. Now, at any given time, best case scenario, you have a 2% of your entire market is in buyer mode. So for that remaining 98%, where demand generation comes in compared to lead generation is instead of trying to get them to download white papers, to consume content by submitting contact information and all of the, basically all of the ads that you're running being set to a way where the objective is to get contact information to then pass them off to a sales far earlier. We're focusing on educating them, entertaining them throughout content consumption within the actual platforms themselves in an organic and natural way. So we specifically with my clients, we look a lot on LinkedIn ads. So we're looking at video content on LinkedIn, which can be consumed in a more natural way in the newsfeed that can educate your potential buyer over the course of a 6, 12, 18 month period. So that the moment that they enter that buying mode, they're already brand aware and solution aware. So they can come straight to your company, submit a request for contact information, submit a cost for a request for a demo, whatever that form submission is, and then be past your sales team with a much shorter sales cycle rather than focusing on higher up the funnel, white paper downloads, webinar registrations, where the conversion rate just simply isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a very interesting, I mean, it's a shift, right? It's a mind shift, uh, a shift in mindset. And it's uncomfortable for a lot of people who are mm -hmm. at, at the top, who are just used to doing it a certain way, play the numbers game, throw as much at the wall and see what sticks and whatever sticks you're happy with. But it's such a inefficient way. You're just burning down the potential market for the the 90 percent plus that really isn't ready to buy yet don't really know really what they need yet mm. and, and by educating you you build trust in your brand in the people at, at your company you become a recognized expert in that area and and you're helpful and i think people appreciate companies and, and people who are, are helpful right and help them make that decision take the load off how important is it to have people at, at your company engaged and active on social like LinkedIn talking about the product, the, the use cases, kind of driving some of that demand and that awareness and education from an individual standpoint? Yeah, and that really comes into personal branding, which is something that I personally spend a ton of time doing, coming on podcasts like this, distributing content on LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, whatever that is. For me, it's something where I, as the CEO of Catalyst, have a tremendous return on investment by investing in organic. And that's mainly because of the fact that I'm the CEO of the company. And my argument with all of my clients, my arguments with when I'm consulting with CEOs of, of other companies is to very strongly encourage them to start investing in their personal brand and really their founder's brand. When you're the head of the company and the face of the company, people get to 
invest into you personally. And then that can then drive results back to the company. The same way that I have the Chris Roach brand, people know me without even knowing Catalyst. They know the work that I do. And then that then shifts that back to Catalyst and my team. That's been the goal of the way it's set up. My argument is if you're going to switch from Legion to demand gen and you have a sales team who currently is spinning their wheels, cold calling a hundred people a day and connecting with one, when you make that shift and suddenly you're not passing over a thousand leads per week to your sales team, have them try and invest their time into personal branding, into LinkedIn outreach, into creating content on TikTok, into more creative ways and start to measure that versus what's currently been done as the benchmark and see which results in the more sales qualified opportunities and the the quantity of those qualified opportunities. And that's where I think salespeople right now are missing out on a huge opportunity by social selling because of the fact that if I publish a video on LinkedIn talking about the way Catalyst does this and this, and we work with B2B SaaS companies and help figure out customer acquisition costs, that can be seen by 500 CEOs of startups who I haven't pitched. And then when I get on a sales call with them, we jump on a call, we jump on a Zoom call, they feel like they know me. And that's something that I don't think is, it's very hard to measure, first of all, the ability to feel comfortable with a salesperson because of the fact that you've consumed their content. And it's a really under the radar benefit that isn't talked about a lot. But when you get on those calls and I actually published a a post on this yesterday talking about the last five sales calls that I've been on with inbound leads, every single prospect was like, I feel like I know you because I see you on the podcast. I see you doing all this content. And now I already know about the story of when you had to buy your house. I know the story about when you started Catalyst. Like I already have this investment into you personally by consuming your content. So tell me more about how you can help me. And that's something where it's going to increase your close rate. It's going to increase your conversion rate and ultimately allow you as a salesperson to continue to outperform the, the previous activities that you were doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, and I think... The, the personal touch, the human element of it, of telling your story is important because people want to work with people. They don't want to work with companies yeah. or brands. It, it's really the people at those companies that they want to work with. And that's a big factor. I mean, I've gone through, I mean, a lot of my experience was dealing with technology and, and buying technology, MarTech, did a lot of demos, spoke with a lot of salespeople. And there were instances where the tech didn't quite meet our needs. It was missing a key feature or element versus a, a competitive offering. But I really wanted to work with that company because I wanted to work with that salesperson. But I just couldn't because it just did, fell short. But there's been numerous times that's happened. And, and, and it's so important. And you mentioned the term social selling. And that's one of those terms that I kind of have some beef with because it really, the selling part of that term, right? I think there needs to be a new name for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I haven't given it that much thought. I've just been annoyed by the name of social selling because yeah, yeah. it's not really selling. It's educating, it's developing relationships, right? It's If you go on social and you're selling, you're going to get ignored. But if you go on social and you're being generous, you're being helpful, you're teaching the, the types of resources you share, on your site and you look for contact information, share that information without any strings attached. Just be generous and and help teach people. I think that's where, in my opinion, you'll get the most bang for your buck of being out there and being visible. It's not really from selling on social, right? Well, How I do you think feel it- about that? I think it it depends on the way that you view selling because I was previously a chief revenue officer and I've closed multiple six-figure projects with software development prior to starting Catalyst. And for me, 
there was always this negative connotation of being a salesperson. You're going to sell. So you're a sleazy car salesman. Whereas when you have a consultative approach with your sales, it's about helping the prospect or you know the business owner find the best solution for them, regardless of if that's with your company or not. And there have been instances where I said, listen, we're just not a good fit for this, even with Catalyst now. And I drum on a call and uh, clients are talking about the ad spend that they have or the, the type of marketing that they want to do, or even the platforms that they want to focus on. I say, listen, I'd love to work with you, but this just isn't a good fit for us. These are three recommendations or referrals that I would personally, you know, like to see you try and work with. These are people that I have worked in the past or I have relationships with that I trust. Feel free to go and talk to them because this isn't a good fit for me. So when you say you have beef with social selling, I think it's probably because of the selling connotation of, hey, I'm going to get on LinkedIn and I'm just going to, you know, blast out, hey, you should work with me for this and this. But when you share that education, I would argue that's actually a part of any good sales approach is to be able to educate, to be able to understand the needs of your potential buyer, and then to be able to basically diagnose that problem with a solution and say, hey, this is what I would do if I were you. This is something that's going to make sense for you today. This is what may make sense further down the line. This is the step-by-step approach of how we can get there. And regardless of if that's with me or not, this is what I would do. And that's where I do a lot of consulting with CEOs of companies who aren't necessarily looking to work with Catalyst, but they have a you know full-time CMO, they have full-time director of marketing, and they want to have my input on, listen, what's going on with our ads? What are your thoughts? We don't want to necessarily outsource our you know performance marketing to you. We don't want to outsource our ad management to you, but what are your thoughts on the way that we're doing this? And if we were a client, how would you do that differently? So I can then work with you, so they can work with their team internally to accomplish that. And that's where, again, it's so social relationship building, it's social educating, and it's basically being able to create that word of mouth at scale by leveraging social media. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And and I appreciate you countering that, right? I think my connotation of it was classic through a marketing lens, right? Versus a sales lens. Also, you know, just the bad actors out there who just really use LinkedIn the wrong way. It's the, the lead gen mentality, right? The, the people who connect and pitch, they're the worst. I and, hate those people. I mean, they're there's, awful. There's uh, a great meme that I've seen of all the urinals and there's someone on the far hand side and it's somebody walking in and he just walks straight to the urinal next year. And it's like, that's exactly <laughs> what it's like. They connect to the end. They just oh, ping yeah. you a message and it's like, Hey, can you, you know, let me know when you're free for 15 minutes. Dude, I'm never free for 15 minutes to do this. Like this is no. there's no I have no affection with your company. There's absolutely no way I'm going to work with you. And now you've just pissed me off. It, it's <laughs> actually I I got a I was I had a cold call this morning and I've not been triggered by sales in in a long time to be honest. And this morning just got me. It was it was this magazine company where hey we want to feature you in our magazine. We love the content you do. We love everything about Catalyst. We want to have you you know featured in our magazine, come on our podcast, do all this stuff. So I got on the call and they talked about all the great content we were doing, all the great work that we were doing and all the great work they were doing with SaaS companies um, and the client results that we were getting. And at that point, I knew there was no way that they could know the client results that we were getting because we don't publish those results. It's not publicly available. So mm-hmm. I said, well, which clients? And you could hear the silence. And it was just kind of, <laughs> well, I said, so you don't know what we do, do you? You've no idea. You're just bullshitting at this point. And I said, what's the cost of it? And then of course, there's a cost associated with coming out. I said, I'm not interested. Jeez. It just triggered me. I was like, come on, like Friday morning, really? Yeah. Bait and switch. That's all. That's horrible. And It is. Yeah. Th- those people are the worst. And I just, I try to connect with as many people as I can uh, where, where it makes sense. But yeah, if you pitch me immediately, everything's getting deleted. Like you're getting unfollowed, connections being removed. I'm deleting the message and you're not even going to hear from me. And no. I'm not even going to, because right now I think, for a lot of people, time is more valuable than money right now. Uh, I think we found that coming out of the, the pandemic, right? That values changed and 
for the individual person. And when we're talking about people working with people, there's a person on the other end of that. You're not just a company to company. It's called B2B, but it really is H to H, human to human. And there's another person on the end of that who probably at this point values their time more than their salary. And you're going to try to take that. It's almost worse than trying to take money away from them. And so... So to me, I think it's just, there's a lot of talk about empathy. I think when it comes to selling and marketing, that's where empathy is key, is understanding what's motivating people, what's important to people, what are the potential values. And and there's a chance they might value that 10 to 15 minutes you're trying to steal more than the $150 that you might, you could steal, right? So, Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I think it's just, I think those bad actors on LinkedIn abusing the the ability to connect and have someone's attention, which attention is such a scarce resource right now. And you're kind of stealing that as well, right? So to come in and, and take advantage of that, I think for me, that's that's tied to that connotation of selling. And with that as well, just to kind of continue on with that train of thought, as everybody now shifts, pretty much everybody in B2B SaaS works from home right now. So when you're calling somebody or you're messaging them, it's on their cell phone. Mm-hmm. It's directly, it's in their hand. So if you're, especially calling people, that's what gets me the most. When you're going to cold call someone, nine times out of 10, if you're calling someone that works from home, you call on the cell phone. There is no office line. So you're interrupting what they're doing. And when you work from home, as everybody knows it works from home, it's not like you work eight to five and you have a lunch break for an hour. It's not the way it works. You're doing things in the morning. You go and walk the dog. You take your kids to school. You do all these little activities. You're a little bit of work on the house. And the day elongates as to when you can do that, but the ability to sit down and concentrate, it usually, for me anyway, it gets broken into basically chunks of hours where I can sit down. And when you're going to interrupt me during those set periods, that's where it triggers me. That's where for me, as someone that works from home and as someone that has been in sales, when you're just disrupting what I'm doing to try and pitch me on something that I've no interest for, no need. And and especially when you mistake the type of services that the company offers where you've not even done your research, that's when you're giving sales a bad name and where social selling can be very effective. And anyone that's listening that wants to start investing in personal brand or wants to understand how to leverage LinkedIn, like LinkedIn for me has resulted in the multiple six figures of contracts for me, even year to date so far. The best way to leverage LinkedIn to do that is to find a way to connect with your ICP. So for me, it's CEOs, CMOs, or VPs of marketing of B2B SaaS companies. Go and connect with them. Go and get the relationships with them, but don't necessarily message them. Start to engage with their content. Start to produce your own content that then they can see. And as you start to do this at scale, you will attract, and this is where, again, we talk about demand generation on a person-by-person basis. You can attract the interest then of your potential buyer organically over a period of 6, 12 months to the point when they know they need a service that you offer. They feel comfortable to be able to reach out to you. And you could even start to have interactions, liking the comments, liking the posts, whatever else that is. Start a podcast, interview your potential buyer, whatever that is. There are all these ways to build relationships that are genuine without just trying to sell and just being basically a back pocket resource for, hey, if you ever need demand generation marketing or if you're ever looking to you know, spend $40,000 a month on Google Ads and want to figure out how to do it, 
people know they can reach out to me. And that's a great way to build that so that they will then refer. It's that extended word of mouth marketing. That's the right way to quote unquote social sell, not to just LinkedIn message straight away on the five minutes of the connection. So oh, great. Here we go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You mentioned in six to 12 months in, in that timeline. I think that's important. And I think people might hear that initially and say, six to 12 months, that's too long. I can't wait that long to you know develop a relationship and, and turn this into revenue. But the reality is that's that's what good marketing is about. That's what good selling is about. And the reason you have a problem with it is because you haven't started. Once you start and you keep it going, that's where the momentum builds and that flywheel mm-hmm. just keeps going. And so guess what? Yeah, now if you started today, yeah, there might be a gap before you see the results. But as you go a year from now, two years from now, now what you did a year ago, two years ago is starting to to develop into something. And then it's just, it almost becomes predictable because you put in the time and the effort and it's spinning. And, and because you do it staggered, just like investing, right? The dollar cost averaging, you, you invest X amount every month at different prices pretty soon you're going to have better gains that way. And it's the same with sales and marketing. It's kind of a dollar cost averaging method. Well, and just like investing, it's compound. Mm -hmm. That's the best thing with creating content. It compounds over and over again. Every month you get more engagement, you get more leads come in, more qualified opportunities. So for me right now, I mean, I've been investing in LinkedIn. I mean, for years I've been using LinkedIn, heavily investing since I started Catalyst 10 months ago. We've not spent a dollar on advertising. We're bringing on one to two clients per month, which is exactly where I want to be. We're growing at a rate for which for me is exactly the the high level optimistic rate that I want to accomplish right now because it allows me to grow my team very steadily. I don't have to overscale. I don't run into risks of not providing the same quality of service to all my clients. So I have a very specific growth goal that I or growth trajectory that I'm trying to hit right now. I don't have to spend a dollar on advertising to hit that goal because every month we're bringing in qualified prospects, qualified leads, qualified opportunities who are just reaching out to me because of podcasts like this, because of content they've seen on TikTok, content they've seen on LinkedIn. And they may have been connected with me for nine months, 12 months, six months. And you can see how that sales cycle starts to shorten as you you know produce more and more content because of the fact that they're seeing their peers engage with my content. So my credibility instantly goes through the roof. And that again, when you become the domain authority, which is for me, demand generation is that's the direction that I'm going is to become the go-to resource for demand generation. As I continue to push down that channel, it allows me to attract more and more qualified prospects and it just compounds month over month. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned when, when they see their peers doing engaging and, and taking action, I think that's another part of the compound piece of it is referrals. You you land a customer and now they refer one person. You've already doubled, right? Uh, you refer two. Now you're now you're playing with house money at that point, right? And I think people latch on to that old lead gen model because they think it's predictable because they have a formula like reach out to a hundred people, ten <laughs> yeah. will respond. It's such shitty numbers. Like if you were gambling with those odds, you'd lose your ass, right? But it's reach out to a hundred, ten will respond. Three might be qualified. One might be a sale. And, and they they have these that's such a consistently bad model that ninety percent of the people aren't gonna respond. So that's what you're betting on. Ninety percent of the effort yeah. wasted, right? I don't know anywhere that that's a good a good outcome. 
And then when you talk to the CEO of that company and that SDR is making $75,000 a year and you tell them that 90% of that is not resulting in any revenue activities yeah. for you, that's when it becomes interesting. Then you calculate that across 10 SDRs. You say, hey, what if we shifted this budget into demand generation where I could hit your ICP over again, six to eight times per month on LinkedIn. I could be hitting them constantly with different content that's going to educate them. So it doesn't have to be a situation where they get on a phone call with an SDR. They happen to actually be willing to take the call in a position where they can take the call. And it's a 15 minute conversation over a period of, again, that six to 12 months, we can be hitting them constantly with content so that they understand all the benefits prior to ever actually communicating with anybody from your team. And when you look at focusing the content for consumption within the platforms themselves, which is typically right now, video views is a huge push that I'm doing with my clients, especially on LinkedIn, especially on Facebook, on Instagram, TikTok. We're really focused on content consumption of those video views. The cost per getting somebody to watch 75%, 100% of these videos is fractional compared to the cost of you getting your sales rep to connect and have a five-minute conversation with them. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And one, one, one more question, and then I'd like to jump into kind of the framework on how would you get started? How could someone go about getting started? But you had mentioned something that, that sparked this thought for me, and then also an email that I received this morning sparked it as well, and that's around ABM and demand gen. And the email that I received today was really talking about how a lot of people are interested in setting up ABM or they're actually running it. But the way they look at it is just another form of lead gen when it should be looked at as a, a part of demand gen. What are your thoughts on how ABM fits into the, the demand gen model? Yeah, if you're using ABM for lead gen, you'd be far better just going to Zoom Info and just getting the contact information because that's all you're trying to do. You're just running targeted downloaded white papers, downloadable PDFs to specific accounts to try and get the contact information of X, Y, and Z, whoever the personnel is, when Clearbit, Zoom Info, Hunter.io, any of these, Snowvio, any of these will give you all that contact information. Because again, it's 2022, it's not 2001. You don't have to try and get contact information, just Google it. It's Most of them have it on the LinkedIn profile. Like It's not hard to find contact information. The difference is when people download that ebook and that white paper and they give that contact information, they don't remember doing that. Nobody remembers downloading it. Nobody remember, Nobody even reads it. It's such a small percentage that actually click to download it, that then actually download it, that then actually read it, that then actually convert. It, it's mm. just such a waste of budget. Whereas if you have specific accounts that you want to target, what that leans into with demand generation is basically identifying your ICP, your ideal customer profile. And if you're going to upload a set list of accounts, look at the specific job titles of who's going to make the decision. And then basically one above and one below. So it's not just the the specific individual that can make the decision, it's those around them. And then run targeted ads at all of those individuals Again, leaning into more of that content consumption within the feed, educating them over a period of, again, that six to 12 months. That's how ABM merged with demand gen or ABM. Basically, that is just a type of demand gen. There is really no differentiation. It's basically saying, instead of saying ICP, and we're going to look at financial institutions that have this many employees that have just raised money, that have just hired this position. We're saying, right, this is a list of targeted accounts, run content in a way that can be consumed by them in a natural way, and then allow those who have consumed that content to be able to to find out more information very easily, go out onto your website, watch a demo without having to submit contact information. This is a huge pet peeve of mine. If somebody wants to record, watch a demo, just let them watch a pre-recorded demo, all the information they can have from there. If they're then interested, 
then they can reach out to you. Then you can have a conversation with someone that already knows how your product works. Imagine as a salesperson being able to sell to someone that already knows how the product works. It's 10 times easier. Like why are you trying to get contact information and schedule a demo with them? So again, these are these are the small differences. And, and I know we'll talk more about kind of the step-by-step approach of how to implement a demand generation campaign, but these are the small differences that can significantly lower your customer acquisition cost and basically allow you to close significantly more deals with a fraction of the size sales team. Yeah, yeah, I have the same beef with the demo thing. It's, I mean, why are you going to waste everyone's time for thirty minutes, forty-five minutes when? And it's, it's I, I almost find it insulting that you don't think I'm smart enough to figure out how this works from your demo. And, and really, what I think is, a, if you need to get me on a call to explain it, you're not doing a very good job of of communicating the features, benefits, and value on your website or in a recorded yeah. demo. It's too complicated. Uh, for your audience. And and maybe you need to go back to square one with figuring out how to message about your value proposition. And two, the only reason I think as a consumer and someone that, that buys a lot of tech and I see demo, I just think, okay, you just want to sell me on the spot. It's a, hit, it's a sales call. That's quota, all it is. Right? Yeah. And so, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to waste my time with that. I'm still, I'm not in buy mode. I'm in research mode. So give me the information and then I'll contact you when I feel like it's a good fit, right? And most likely that SDR is getting paid on number of demos set mm-hmm. or number of demos. Come. So for them, it's, I mean, again, it, it's a it's just a nonsensical number. Like it's everything around it. It just doesn't make sense. Now there are instances where you have to do demos. One of my clients sells VR training to government organizations. They have to do demos. Most of their demos are in person. The ACV of it is $100,000 plus. Like they're enormous contracts that they're selling. For them, they have to do in-person demos because there is a hardware component as well. And you have to be able to get it set up. And there's a ton of intricacies that go on with that. However, for most B2B SaaS companies whose ACV is anywhere from $10,000 to $50,000 a year, you don't have to have somebody sit down and click and watch how you're doing it and then be able to answer any questions that you know they may think of. And if you're running demos right now, my advice would be is to continue to run the demos as you're doing at the moment and start to note which questions people are asking because it's going to be the same nine questions, 10 questions, every single demo, and then pre-record a demo where you answer those 10 questions because then someone's watching and thinking, they know exactly what I was thinking. This is exactly what I was going to ask anyway. And now I can get this content. I then have already consumed this. It's required no personnel on your team to be able to educate me on this. I've already seen all the previous videos about it. I've already listened to the podcast with the CEO. I love the company. I love everything about the product. I'm now exiting my research phase. And my recommendation is going to be that we now reach out to somebody from your sales team to talk about pricing, to talk about onboarding, to talk about, hey, we've had these three questions left that just weren't perfectly answered that are specific to our case. And it allows you to, again, just increase that conversion rate and not have to have these overinflated sales. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think in addition to that, the video, create an FAQ page where people can find the answer to their questions. And and I think that also highlights things they may not have thought about when they see a question and and they think, oh, I didn't think about that. I'm glad Mm -hmm. I know the answer now. And, And people don't want to talk to people right now at that stage, right? They want to gather their information, pull it together, find the gaps, and then talk to someone to fill those gaps and, and to be able to compare and contrast to the, the things they found that might work. So 
So yeah, I agree on the, the demo front wholeheartedly and, and FAQs are a great resource that I think mm-hmm. get overlooked uh, a lot in the process. So, so let's shift gears to how would someone make that, that shift from lead gen to, to demand gen? Yeah, making the shift from lead gen to demand gen, first of all, it's difficult to go cold turkey. And this was something that I was talking to a, a potential client about early this week to suddenly just make that change to, hey, we're not going to send any leads to sales because you have a sales team that still needs, they still need feeding, basically. You've got to be able to send things through to them. So the best way that I have found to not only get buy-in from senior level executives of the company, but also from chief revenue officer, you know, specifically the sales side as well, is to look back over the historical data first and foremost. Look over the course of 12-month period and what percentage of MQLs are converting to closed one? And how many sales activities is it taking per rep to close one deal? And then figure out from their salary and their commission structure and everything else, what's the actual customer acquisition cost? Because it gets crazy high when you start running these kind of numbers. And when you explain to a sales team, listen, you're wasting 99% of your time. It's just not resulting in any kind of revenue influenced results. They start to then kind of look for that alternative. The best way that I will then move from once we've kind of explained the data as to how this is not working, say, right now we're going to implement this in a step-by-step process that allows you to reduce your quote-unquote risk of not having leads come in, but also allow you to reap the benefits of demand generation is first and foremost, we focus on the demand capture channel to start off with up until the point of saturation. What I mean by saturation is there's only ever, like I say, 2% of your market that's in buyer mode. So what are the high intent search terms that are going to drive traffic to the site and ultimately convert in getting on a call with an account executive or just simply going into closed one? What are those search terms? Once we understand those search terms and the volume of those search terms, once we're appearing at the top of every page and we have a high conversion rate on those, we're hitting a point where those search terms and that search impression share is as close to 100% as possible. Basically, it's saturated. That might be $5,000 a month. That might be $25,000 a month up until the point where you have that running. Once you figured out your demand capture channel, then we look at the demand generation and the content that you have previously been running as white paper downloads, e book downloads, webinar registrations, take that content and repurpose it into a way that's readily and easily consumed. So don't just simply ungate the content. The problem that a lot of marketers make is that, hey, we're switching from lead gen to demand gen, and therefore I'm just going to ungate the white paper download. So this way you click on the ad, it takes you to a landing page, and you just click a download button. The issue is that the click-through rate to a landing page Best case scenario is 2 to 3% on LinkedIn, maybe. I'm talking best case scenario. From there, 97% of people that have basically seen your ad on LinkedIn aren't able to consume the content. From that 3% that actually go to the landing page, let's say 10% read it. So now we're talking about 0.3% of the content being consumed by your target audience. So switch that content into a way that's easily consumed in a natural way where your buyer is already basically looking to consume content. Typically, again, that video views on LinkedIn, video views on TikTok, video views on Instagram Reels, Facebook, all of that social selling side of things with that on the social networks. So when you focus on that content consumption, that's going to allow you to understand how many people are consuming your content. The hardest thing now is to figure out basically, is it working? Because we don't have leads coming in. We don't have people clicking to a landing page all the time. So how do we focus on it's working? So we're looking for high level metrics such as 
Is there engagement on the content? Are the type of people that we want to target engaging with content? Are they liking the content? Are they commenting? Are they sharing? Are they starting to really see value in that content? What is the consumption, the average video view of that content? From there, we can see if this is starting to work. And then the other metrics that are likely to increase in the short term are things such as organic search, direct traffic to the website. These are the other indicators that we can see. And this is talking about really that first kind of three to six months. From there, are we seeing an increase in organic search that's then resulting in people going to the website, submitting a contact request form. And the best way to attribute it back that I personally have found when working with clients is to simply have that self-reported attribution. So when you type in your contact information, say, hey, I'd like more information on software. Great. How did you hear about us? free form entry. I saw the podcast that you did. I saw the content on LinkedIn. I saw Instagram ads. People will tell you where that is. And that self-reported attribution is to me, the most important part of being able to attribute that back because attribution software right now doesn't work. It's just not in a place where it can work because of how much is going on off-platform, cross-device, and just simply the fact that we're not focusing on getting a direct response. People aren't going to buy $50,000 software from clicking on an ad to then signing up. They're going to consume the content over a period of time, and then it's going to resonate with them. Then when they enter buyer mode, then they're going to go and search for that because they know the brand. And those are the ways to kind of make that shift. But by still having the demand capture, by still having the channels that are allowing you the content to be consumed, you can start to make that shift from lead gen to demand gen without just going cold turkey and not having any opportunities for yourself. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think very doable, right? It's not burning it down and starting over. It's evolving what you have in place. Yeah. Um, and when you mentioned, how do you know if it's working or not? You know, how important is it to test content, try different content versus ship it and forget it and kind of putting all your eggs in, in one basket? It's vital because you have to focus on content that's being consumed. And like you said, the beauty of switching from lead gen to demand gen, especially the approach that I take with clients is that it's not burning down everything that's been working so far because most of the time it has been working. It just is nowhere near as effective as it could be. The business is typically not failing and they're not going out of business. They're still having customers come on every month. The question is, could we 10X the number of customers that are coming on by making very subtle changes, basically just in simply the way the content is being distributed and the format of the content. So when you take that content and you're able to basically not offend anybody on the current marketing team, because a lot of my clients have in-house marketing saying, listen, what you're doing the content is great. It just needs to be repurposed. It needs to be reformatted. It needs to be put in a way that is actually engaging. And when you explain that to them, and especially the way the metrics work in terms of content consumption, that allows them to take their best performing pieces of content and then be able to distribute them. And the way that, again, I leverage paid social compared to organic social, paid social is just simply a way for me to guarantee the delivery of content to my client's target audience, to my client's ICP, I can guarantee the delivery of that content across different platforms. And what I'll do with my clients is I'll be able to, when I work with them and we look at the different content that we have, we'll shift new content and we'll ship new content every two to four weeks. So depending on the frequency, depending on the size of the audience and the budget, We'll ship fresh content every single month to each of the client's ICP to the point where they can continue to consume that. And over time, that content will shift from more of the educational to more high intent to pre-recorded demos to client testimonials. So you're taking them through this 
buyer journey without them even realizing to the point where they already know everything that they need to about the, the company. And then again, the moment they enter that buyer mode, that's when you're going to see the real effects of this. And the best way to, again, tribute that back is just with that self-reported attribution. When they say, hey, I saw all the content you're doing. I've been hit with your LinkedIn ads for the last six months. And it's amazing how specific and granular people will get when you ask them how they heard, heard about you. The, the level of detail that they'll go into is crazy. So you can really start to understand what's working, what's resonating, and then be able to continue to double down on those channels. Yeah, it's so so important to, to test and, and get fresh content out there. I know we're, we're coming up on time. It's just a fascinating subject. I think for me personally, I've been in an SDR role. I've been in sales roles that involve cold calling and cold email, and it's just brutal. You want to find the nearest bridge and, and jump. The recruiting I've done, it's the same thing. It's called recruiting, but it's just the same process. Cold call, mm-hmm. cold email, spray and pray, right? So this is a, a, a topic that's that's near and dear to my heart, especially as I've made the switch to marketing. How does demand gen come into play with existing clients and customers? What do you mean with existing? So, so is there a way that you can leverage kind of what you're doing from a demand gen uh, perspective for uh, acquiring clients and, and customers to also apply it to your existing customer base to expand uh, and grow them. So you mean it's like for if you're a SaaS company that to to be able to leverage demand gen for their existing client base. Yep, exactly. So the so the best way that I have seen this done, first of all, is leveraging into the founder's brand. So being able to have that content being distributed by senior executives, by the CEO, by the CFO, whoever that is, whoever basically is the resident industry expert, creating content, creating things like podcasts, creating virtual events. These are great ways that you can start to re-engage existing customers. And what I found is that when you have individuals within your team that are going to publish content on a regular basis, you're going to be able to magnify the ability to sell through word of mouth. And I think word of mouth has changed significantly in the last 10 to 15 years. And my definition of word of mouth now is no longer me and you sat in a coffee shop and you say, hey, what do you think for this company? Say, oh, I've got a recommendation. Here's the business card, whatever else you can now call them. Instead of that, I can produce content at scale that can be consumed by my entire ICP. If I'm the CEO of a company, I'm connected with the right individuals. I can establish myself as a thought leader. And then your clients, your cheerleaders, your advocates, not only can they engage with that content that's then going to allow their peers to see your content, they can then reshare. They can send a text with a link to a LinkedIn post, to a TikTok video, to a YouTube, to a podcast episode, whatever that is. So you can magnify the ability to basically distribute through word of mouth and have that social selling and really the confirmation by your current peers that the content that you're producing is at a high level and basically establish yourself as an expert. That's the best way that you can start to leverage demand generation within your existing network. It's not necessarily to try and upsell. It's not going to get them to buy into anything extra. If a client has come to you through demand gen, they should already have that connection with the company. They should already have the relationship with the account executive, whoever it is. That's their responsibility to be on the one-to-one relationship. But as the CEO of a company, when you start investing in your personal brand and you start getting into podcasting and getting on interviews and everything else, once that content is being distributed, you can start to see that ripple effect effectively of when people start to share, like comment, text, put it in Slack conversations, and you can't track any of it. And that's the key thing with this is you can't track any of it. But 
when you come back to that self-reported attribution and they say, hey, I saw the interview that you did. I saw Chris Roach's interview with Catalyst. I saw this podcast episode. I saw this and this. That's when you can start to tie it back. And that's really how you can leverage that, basically that magnified word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I think that's what is hard for a lot of people, marketers included, is the lack of being able to track it. I think digital has has spoiled us in being able to track everything. And now we expect to track everything. And sometimes you just got to go back to the old school and just say, hey, it's not all trackable and that's fine. And tracking is getting harder and harder anyway. And that, yeah. I mean, tra- tracking is not going to get easier. Like we've seen that over, you know, even demographics and targeting. Tracking is getting more and more difficult. So when you get to a point where you don't have to track because you're seeing the results on the backside of this and you can attribute it back manually, yes, there's a little bit of manual work you know, required to do that. But when you can start to see which channels are actually resulting in close one for you and then double down on those channels, mm-hmm. that's how you can start to leverage demand generation at scale, increase your investment into the right channels and basically have a higher yield on return without having to necessarily increase. Yeah. Yeah. And you said it's a little bit manual, but to me, that's where you just pick and choose, like, where am I going to invest my time and money and what's going to give me the best returns? Gathering that information is going to give me better returns than spamming. One of your SDRs, I have one of your SDRs that's got ninety percent free time now. Go back and do it. It's, I mean, exactly. there's, yeah. there's a million ways. Too. There's a million ways you can do this. Yeah, have your SDR yeah. do it if that's the if yeah. the issue is time and all the time you're going to save them. Have them go back and do it. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. They're going to be. I'm going to get a bunch of nasty messages from SDRs now. <laughs> yeah, but they'll love the free time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome, awesome topic. Uh, great conversation. Really enjoyed it. I appreciate you coming on uh, to the show. And how can people learn more? How can they connect with you? Yeah, best place to find me, honestly, is LinkedIn. I'm on publishing content on LinkedIn all the time. All my podcast interviews, everything is repurposed on LinkedIn. So yeah, just search for Chris Roach Catalyst on LinkedIn, or you can head to my website, which is catalystconsulting.services. And I assume with the release, you can put kind of a link somewhere mm-hmm. with that as well. Um, and then TikTok has been really the newer channel for me. It's something that I've been over the last 60 days really testing out. Um, but if you're looking for what I would call my repository of short form content, I always recommend TikTok because you've just got all the videos and you could just binge them if it's anything that I've been talking about today is of interest. Great. I really appreciate it again. And yeah, thanks for, for coming on. Yep. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up this edition of Marketing Unboxed. Just want to thank you for listening and thank you for continuing to tune in. If you enjoyed the show, if you enjoy the podcast, please give it a rating, give it a review on Apple. I think you could do the same thing on Spotify. And if it's something you can do on any other platform, please do it. I really appreciate it and uh, just helps get the word out. And until next time, I'm out.